We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 232. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day to my mom, Scott. And I know you have a new mom uh, that you're married to. <laughs> that sounds weird. But yeah, I am. I am married to a new mom. It's, uh, it's, it's been quite a journey for, uh, for my wife, Bevan, uh, to get to this motherhood stage. And we, we have gotten here, and I'm, I'm really happy uh, that she is able to celebrate Mother's Day number one. I uh, couldn't have... Couldn't have chosen a better partner in this whole uh, parenthood thing, and she's uh, she's awesome. So yeah, big day for for us around here. Uh, took her away for the weekend to to just you know make sure that she understood that she was uh, appreciated and did all those all the nice things. So um, it was a it was a good day. Good day, good weekend. 
Yes, uh, Yankees salvaged the weekend after a rough start on Friday. I thought the pink, so they went all out with the pink today, pink bats, pink hats. Yeah. I actually really liked the pink socks. I thought a lot of them went with the high socks today, kind of the old school stirrup look with the stripes, the pink stripes on the socks. I thought those were a nice touch. Yeah, they're getting, it seems like every year there's more, there are more pink, uh, there's more pink apparel. And they have, uh, DD was wearing like the full sleeve of pink, so he was all, he was all pinked out. Um, yeah, it's fine. You know, it's cool. It's it's ra- it's raising awareness for a good cause. So the uh, all that stuff, uh, I got no problems with. Uh, I know probably some people are like, eh, about humbug, you know, <laughs> put on your normal you uniform. Got 80, you uh, got 81 games of just regular pinstripes, classic blue. Yeah. Let's uh, go well, on with the pink. The, I think I on the Father's Day, they do the light blue, though, don't they? Light blue, they do. Yeah. So it's 80-80. I guess you two games a year. And then they do the well, camo day yeah, on Veterans Day. Well, right. yeah, we can all keep right. adding Star this up. Star Spangled Okay. Fine, seventy-five games of the regular. And don't forget the he hate me day, the he hate me days of the XFL when they put the nicknames on the back. <laughs> oh right, they doing that again? I don't know. Is that a thing? Is that is that an <clears> annual <throat> thing, or was that just a one time? Let's get this over with. I, I just love Gardner. Just sticking with no, just my name, please. Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think they do with all this pink stuff and the blue stuff? Just in a basement somewhere at Yankee Stadium, just comes out once a year unpack it once a year probably you know at some point there's going to be like a small little part of an exhibit somewhere in some type of hall of fame i don't know if it'll make it to canton or canton cooperstown uh but there will be some he would not go to canton one of those uh or you know like a a local hall of fame or something like that it'll be it'll be retired somewhere in the in the yankees museum at yankee stadium they've got basically like a hall of fame at the stadium was uh was derek jeter day was that Mother's Day as well? I mm. thought they overlapped at one point. Was that? You know what? I think it was. Yeah, I think that was a year ago. That was when Tana- Tanaka, Tanaka ruined the day. Yeah, so that one, if that was actually the day, if my memory serves me correct, which usually it doesn't, but that that would be up in you know in some kind of a hall of shame somewhere of like the worst day ever. Yes, if I actually remember correctly, they had to play a doubleheader against Houston that day. Yeah, they did. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, well, May 26th is coming up on us pretty quickly. We have, what'd you say? Close to 200 people yeah, have we're, already bought tickets. We're actually over 200 at this point. We're, we're over 200. It's going to be a large group. Um, I'm pumped up for this. This is going to be really fun. We have the, uh, the pregame at the Bronx brewery ahead of time. Uh, it's a seven, what? Seven o'clock game, seven o five game, but we have sections two o five, two o six. If you have not gotten your tickets today is the day. Uh, where all of the t-shirts are printed and or, or we, we put the print order in and we get them out by Wednesday, Thursday are shipped to everybody who purchased them. This is how we do it. We do it in one big order. Uh, so if you have plans to get your tickets, do it now. Stop waiting. Get your get your guys together. Get your girls together and uh, and buy those tickets. If you do buy it after this date, I'm going to be ordering some extras as well. So hopefully I can fill those orders. Um, but the uh, the guaranteed date to get your T-shirt basically for the 26th is tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, get them in fast. No more waiting. 68 bucks. It's a great deal. And uh, someone told me today, I, I think I saw it on Twitter, that it lines up right now that Severino might be on the 26th. So if nothing changes and all that stays in, in, in into uh, according to plan, we might be seeing Severino versus Otani. Who knows? Uh, no, I, Otani goes on the Sunday games, unfortunately. He Damn. pitched well today. Did he go back into Sunday's? Yeah, he's always doing Sundays now. Yeah, they're, but who knows? They it might could be a rain out. out or, you never know. Yeah. yeah, or I guess that would only push him to. Mu- who knows? Whatever. I I just hope Otani plays because usually they've not been having him hit either on the day before that he pitches. So I hope we just see Otani at least get an at bat or something like that. Yeah, I want to see this dude in real life. Yeah, I really want to see what he is. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, again, wait a minute. I just thought. If sorry to interrupt you. 
if Sevi's lined up for Saturday, that means it's Tanaka versus Otani Ooh. on Sunday, which you know how Tanaka is against a rival Japanese pitcher. Like yeah. he might pitch a perfect game. He's lights out. I do not want to be the Angels going against Tanaka against another uh, fellow countryman. No, that would be a really fun matchup, though. Just it to would watch. be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, get back to the tickets real quick. Just go get them on the fan shop fan, uh, shop.bronxpinstripes.com. And uh, yeah, we're trying to pack this thing out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, 200 people going to be a blast. Uh, our seats are a lot more condensed uh, for this particular event, too. Um, and uh, the, the T-shirt I will reveal tomorrow. It will be revealed on Twitter. Ooh. Well, today. As today, today, as you're listening, yeah. it will be revealed go, on Twitter. <laughs> go check uh, at Bronx Pinstripes Twitter and you can go check that out. So here we are, 25% through the season. They've played 40 games. The Yankees and Red Sox are tied. Best record in baseball, 28-12, and 12, which is 700 baseball, which is really ridiculous, and especially uh, considering how both of those teams got there. Um, but how would you, how would you uh, say the season one quarter of the way through has gone cons- uh, compared to what your expectations were entering the season? Well, I mean, when you look at that record and see where they are, you have to think that if you if you had a high expectations for this team, then they're right in the spot that you wanted them to be, that you thought they would be. Uh, that maybe the the path wasn't the same way, but no, the, they, we thought they were going to go take a beeline for it, and they went on a wicked long right. detour out to the left. They got lost for a couple of days. They and definitely they came got back lost, and they found themselves still at seven hundred ball. Yeah, they're like, why, why, what, why is there a, why are we playing the Marlins? What happened here? What's going on? No, they, they, uh, they definitely took a, a sideways route. It was a strange little loop, loop to loop to get to where we are. But if you're looking at expectations and I'm, I'm seeing where they are right now, then I'm extremely happy, obviously. And, and I think it's, uh, in line. I mean, I expected them to come out of the gate hot. And, uh, you know, when you're looking at the first quarter of a season under a, ver- a, a brand new manager for the team and a brand new manager, period then you got to be just extremely excited because you, you think that he's just going to get more acclimated and more acclimated and used to this whole thing as the season goes on, and he's going to know his guys more. So this is a very good thing for, for Aaron Boone, too. Uh, and Brian Cashman looks very good right now. I think you could even make the argument they've exceeded expectations considering what they went through in the first like 10 games of the season with all those injuries. Oh, no Bird doubt. goes down the weekend before the season starts, and then within the first week of the season, Hicks goes down, Jury goes down, the list goes on with, with even the backup players and the depth players. I mean, shit, they had to call up Sugar Shane Robinson and um, Multiple Jace times. Peterson. Jace Peterson was getting starts out in left field. They were going to the bottom of the barrel for outfield depth, and that was the one position we thought, hey, this team's okay. So considering everything that happened and then Montgomery goes down, I actually think that um, playing 700 after a quarter of the way through the season is exceeded, ex- exceeded my expectations or exceeded what they, uh, most teams would be considering everything that happened. Well, I mean, if you're considering the beginning of the season and and you're talking about that and the amount of amount of uh, of – help that they've lost then hell yeah they've exceeded they've exceeded by a lot because don't forget they lost cc for a bit there too like they've right. been down pitchers big time i mean they're practically without sunny gray at this point this might as well be a loss every time uh, actually it's a probably a negative up. it's worse than just a replacement <laughs> level triple a pitcher because he's actively losing them baseball games so factor that in there too you got a you got a just a, a complete loss by with, with every time sonny gray goes with a freaking bump then you you lose cc for you know a few uh, a few of his rotation spots and then montgomery is out so you've lost a lot and then not even counting the the bullpen who's like pretty much Kane, got 
just Kane Lee Warren and they're they're because of those guys absent I know we're going to get into a lot of the bullpen stuff over the weekend but we've had to deal with Jonathan Holder David Hale AJ Cole in very high leverage spots some of sometimes they've come through actually they came through over the weekend but we've also seen a few times when Jonathan Holder did not come through in the beginning of the season. That was the old Jonathan Holder before he got called back up after he got thrown down to Scranton and gave up a, I think he gave up a grand slam in, in triple a the, like the day after he got sent down there too, or a big home run. Um, but yeah, you know, and don't forget guys, don't forget. We have not had Jacoby Ellsbury all season. Like what? <laughs> How are we here? I don't understand who's even playing center field. Who is, who is getting on base when with making contact with the catcher's glove? <laughs> I don't understand who's doing that. So this is a, you know, this is, if you're definitely taking into all those into consideration, like our team, this, this team should probably be around 500 right now. If you're, if you're actually weighing those, uh, you know, the injuries. No, I think that's unfair because I think even with all the talent that has gone down, they're still one of the most deep and most talented teams in baseball. 700 baseball (laughs) is, is crazy, but, um, you know, I still think they should be an over 500 team, whatever that that's neither here nor there. It goes to show you because back on April 8th and April 10th, they lost back-to-back games. And they didn't do that again until this weekend, Thursday and Friday against Oakland. So they went a full month of the season, a full month of the schedule against the best competition. Probably the hardest stretch of schedule they're going to have all season. And they didn't lose back-to-back games. I mean, it's, it's absolutely impressive when you look at it and, and you look at the competition over the past few weeks, uh, you know, how they, how they gamed up, how they leveled up their, their particular game uh, to go against these, uh, these, I mean, they're all the, the top teams that are, that are either uh, favored to get into the playoffs or win a division. Like these were the teams that, that you're going to have to beat at some point late in the season. And they, they ran through. They absolutely steamrolled through it. So it's impressive. It's impressive. And then they falter because, you know, you run out of gas occasionally. You falter a little bit to the Oakland Athletics in the game, and then you get back on the horse. Well, that's the thing because they dropped the game on Thursday night, and CeCe did not look good. He wasn't getting hit that hard, no, but I think, I think just the Red Sox were making contact and balls were finding holes, and, and that's going to happen. Uh, you can't get on CeCe, especially with the way he's been pitching all year. But when the Yankees came back on a very, very ugly rally against the just pile of dog shit Boston bullpen, they have a problem with with Barnes and uh, Kelly and uh, Hembry. Like that bullpen does not scare me in the least bit. I understand Kimbrell has great numbers and he got the save on Thursday night, but I still think as a as a Yankees fan, I'm I'm fine when the when I saw Rodriguez come out of that game and the bullpen coming in, I said great. And they came back. They scored those four runs. And I don't think anyone who had been watching this team for the past three weeks didn't think they were going to win that game. It just you know I guess Dellen Betances got beat by the Yankee Stadium short porch. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. I, th- I know there was a lot of people talking about in the first inning when Didi opted to go to first base over going home on that ground ball uh, that scored a run. So there's first inning though. Come on. I mean, yeah, it's it's you know I was having a, a conversation with somebody on Twitter about this, but it, you know it's it's it goes to the point of people talking about numbers and and run prevention being the number one thing that you're doing as a baseball team. So I mean, I see the art, I see the other side of it. I was fine with him going to first because it was the first inning and because of the way that this team has been scoring runs. I, I, I get it. You're trying to limit a, a big inning at that point and CC's pitch count or whoever it was. It was CC, I think. Yeah. So, you know, I, I get the reason, but I also see the, also, uh, the other side where um, if he had originally said, if I get a hard hit ball to me, I'm going home. He could have probably cut off that run. 
I understand that, but then if he goes home and it was going to be a close play, then you're you're talking about no outs and another guy on base, and you could have had a gigantic inning there. Yeah, could have been. It's the first inning you'd expect the Yankees. Eduardo Rodriguez came in with a plus five, whatever it was. He was a six ERA, I think. Six ERA coming into that game. He was lights out, but you did not expect him to be lights out in that game. No, for whatever reason, though, he has good numbers against the Yankees. I don't know how he he, he all of a sudden just turns it on when he plays the Yankees, but... Yeah, I mean, couple, I, couple I was guys do that. I was totally fine with Didi going to first base. I, I, because yeah. to me, if you're going home in that position, if you're even thinking about going home, you're not you're not back in at regular depth. You're either playing even with the bags, or you're you're yeah, you know, a couple steps up, ready to make that throw. And he just wasn't in position. So it, it the reason it looked different is because the ball was hit really hard. And I think that's hard to judge as a as a uh, as a player how hard that ball is hit in that given situation at that moment, unless you're already preparing to do that. And then Betances is, has to go back out there for a second inning of work. We know how bad Betances usually is in his second inning of work. He did give up the home run to J.D. Martinez. You play in the ballpark that you play in, so it's a home run. It would have been an out in probably the other 29 ballparks in the league, but it was a home run at Yankee Stadium. I think the fans maybe needed to get out of the way. I think there needs to be a PSA. When Judge is patrolling right field, he can take anything away in the front row, probably even the second row too. Whatever. I thought, though, Batances looked good other than that, and even that was not that, that big of a deal. But do you still get on Boone for bringing him back out there for the second inning? I mean, I don't like it personally, but Boone sees something different, obviously, and he, he's come out defending that, that, that he thinks Batances can do this. So if you're going to test a guy like that and give him the confidence of doing that, then you know what? Like, I can't fault that, honestly, because if it's your manager trying to give it, and I said this earlier in the season when he brought Patantis out, you know, I thought one of the big reasons was is because Boone's in a, in a particular spot right now where he has to not only assess his guys, but feel out his guys to know how they pitch, how they feel, like what they do, how they react. But he's also got to earn the trust of these guys too. And he's got to challenge them in certain ways to get the most out of him. Like that's also part of his job. So, you know, this could be one of Aaron Boone's ways of doing that. So, you know, because the he was kind of taking advantage of the 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 short porch, you know, I, I don't have a huge problem with it on that side. I personally don't like it, but if Aaron Boone thinks that this is the the way he wants to do it, and he wants to uh, challenge him this early in the season, I got no problem with it. Well, I think if either Warren or Tommy Canley were healthy, we would not have seen Boone. I, I think mean, that's we would fair. not have seen Batances back out there. I think that's a hundred percent fair. And by the way. In case you didn't see it, because it doesn't sound like you did, we sent a PSA out, a PSA to everybody on right field. You go look on Bronx Pitcher oh, Twitter right. if you're not there. It's what was that from? It's been retweeted over a thousand times. After that, I found a really good picture. No, but uh, didn't we do it uh, earlier in the season too? Probably. It, this happened. Uh, didn't this happen? Oh, I remember what happened <clears throat> against Baltimore in that bizarro weekend. Neil Walker got robbed of a home run, and the Yankees fans were all backing off. On that, yeah, for the right, right. Field, it was the, the right fielder for the O's, yeah, 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 yeah. For for yeah, so they don't want that home run ball. They're gonna back off that. Let the uh, <laughs> let the Orioles players take it. No problems. But when Aaron Judge comes flying in, then we're gonna throw like eighty hands at the ball. Now it's just get 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 out of the way. If the ball is in the in the air and it has the potential of going out, and Aaron Judge or anybody else, but specifically Aaron Judge is in right field. The man is six seven. Get the frig out of the way because he's probably gonna catch it. He will probably get as high as three, three rows up <laughs> to catch that damn ball. He's yeah. a huge <clears throat> human being. Um, yeah, and I think because of the short bullpen, because of the injuries there, we're, we're seeing 
spoon, push guys like Batances. It has not worked. Every time he goes back out there for a second inning, it has not worked. We've also seen him put Holder in high leverage situations, and I still think I still shit my pants when it happens. But Holder, his last eight games, nine and two-thirds innings, only two hits, no earned runs, and eight strikeouts. So obviously he's figured something out. Like you said, he came back from Scranton, a, a, a reborn man, but – it's still scary to see Jonathan Holder with the game on the line. Uh, it was the, it was, he was in a high leverage spot against Oakland over the weekend. You know, one of the reasons I, I get nervous is because every time I see him, I see Phil Hughes. <laughs> I, still, I, I, I just like get flashbacks to Phil Hughes when he's up there. And, he's very Hughesian. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, this is one of the things that, like, to, to me, for making the judgments about Boone, like, my judgments, my, I think my, like, to have a complete thought on, on how I feel of him as a manager, it's going to, it's probably going to take at least half of a season. Because then I'll be able to see over a, a longer period of time, like, how he does things and his trends. I think we've all picked up on his trends early on about leaving some guys in there a little longer, uh, a lot longer than Girardi would do. He's got more of a rope for some of these guys. Um but, you know, this, I think, is one of those things he's trying to feel out and see what Batantis... I think he's challenging Batantis for this. I think he's put it on there and say, look, you're one of the best pitchers in baseball when you're on. There's no reason why you can't do two. You, you have the ability to do it. Let's see you do it. And, and he's given these challenges before. We know what he did with Didi um, before the 0 for 30. But this was, uh, you know, this is, might be one of those challenges, just the way that he communicates with his players. And I'm going to give him that time before I completely destroy him. I won't be happy when I see Dylan Batanzas out there for the second inning. Trust me, I will not be happy. But I'm not going to crush Boone for it yet. How do you think Batanzas' uh, confidence level is? Because I think that after last year it was shot. It was in the toilet. How do you think it is here we are in, in mid-May? I mean, I think it's relatively in a good place at this point because I think other than the, the outings, you know, he's had a couple of sporadic outings that he've, he's looked really bad or, or he was that second inning of work. But other than that, we've seen him and he's, he's actually been pretty good. He's been pretty close to the old Dylan Batances that we remember uh, coming in and dominating. So he's seen some pretty good flashes. And it seems like he's been, coming, he's been pitching more often too and, uh, and coming in with, with confidence. So Well, he's been pitching a lot um, – I keep saying Boone. Uh, D-Rob's been pitching a lot. All these yep. guys are pitching a lot. And people, every time they see Cole or, or Hale come in, they're bitching on Twitter like, well, why are we going to use this game? We're throwing the white flag here. You cannot have Boone, <laughs> again, you cannot have D-Rob and Batances and Chapman pitch every night. Their arms are going to fall off. It, it just can't happen. There has not been off days on the schedule. They have an off day finally on Monday. But – you can only go to so many guys so often before they're just totally run into the ground. Yeah, and and honestly, when A.J. Cole came in after, uh, what was that, uh, Saturday, when he hadn't pitched in, I think, 13 days it was, uh, he came in and put up two scoreless innings. And, you know, right. the, he came out of the gate and I think walked two guys, but, but then came back and, and fought. And, you know, got to give that guy a lot of credit for, for coming in a, a tough spot and having to uh, go some length. And not having pitched in any competitive atmosphere at all in in over in about two weeks after being released from a team that drafted him or that was he was on so you know it was a, a lot of change for that guy obviously his confidence level had to have been in the in the toilet at that point as well uh, but he came out and did it so he he's gonna have to give these guys opportunities to come in there and succeed because like you said you can't go back to the same guys over and over again we're gonna end up you know in in August and September bitching about Boone because you used so many of these guys early on and now their arms are dead right. Yeah, yeah. Remember Scott Proctor? Because 
Remember Della Batances? I mean, shit. Della Batances was one of those guys that we said Girardi used too damn much. He, he came at the end of the season, couldn't throw anymore. Girardi, Scott Proctor, Della Batances. Yes. I, I, I'm sticking by that. Uh, maybe you guys have heard me talk about the amazing Sleep Number 360 smart beds. They're so smart, they respond to your every movement and automatically adjust to you. The great news is Sleep Number is introducing even more of these innovative beds, and their latest smart beds are even more comfortably priced. So many couples disagree on mattress firmness. Sleep Number beds let you choose your ideal firmness on each side so you so it's just right for the both of you. Uh, there's an ev- even an adjustment for snoring, which is amazing. I bet your current bed does not do that. Come in to see the latest Sleep Number 360 smart beds with introductory savings up to $300 plus special financing. Just ask the Sleep Number store for details. There are more than 550 Sleep Number stores. Visit sleepnumber.com slash Bronx to find a store near you. Again, go to sleepnumber.com slash Bronx to find a store. And maybe Sonny Gray has been shitting the bed because he's not getting good night's sleep. <laughs> I, if that was the if that was the solution to this problem, I would be very happy. I would buy him a sleep number bed at this point. <laughs> the uh, the man is is just an an abomination. I don't know how else to describe it. If I hear another word about personal catching uh, for Sunny Gray, I, I will vomit because it's obviously not a, an issue at this point. So. You know, I don't know what he's bitching about. Oh, he still is. He's uh, he's so much more comfortable with Austin Romine. He they're just in sync. Doesn't have to shake him off. He's shaking off Gary Sanchez constantly. He he can't throw the breaking ball in the dirt because Gary Sanchez can't block it. Well, you know, throw it in the dirt at this point. See, throw exactly what Gary Sanchez puts down at this point because, uh, you know, no, forget all that. Just fix yourself because you're the problem. Sonny Gray is the 100% the problem. This guy is is a, is a mental case right now. He has the ability to be so much freaking better. The guy came into the Yankees uh, it, over the uh, first half of last season when he was with Oakland and had the lowest ERA uh, among starters. And, and now this is the guy we get. It's not the same guy. I don't understand. It makes no freaking sense. He's got zero confidence. He's not throwing any of those pitches like he in dominant fashion, not throwing strikes, walking a million people, giving up a million hits. <sighs> yeah, I agree. It's between the ears and, and it's totally uh, mental. He was going against his old team. I don't know how much that factored into it. It shouldn't. Oakland's not that good of a team. It wasn't even in Oakland. It was at Yankee Stadium. So not a ton of pressure there. I, not pressure, I saw, but motivation. Isn't that motivation, more motivation? Yeah, I guess motivation could be there. But what I saw out of Sonny Gray is he got beat early on a couple home run balls, and then he got scared. He was there bet- with his tail between his legs on the mound, and he was then afraid of contact. So he was nibbling, and it was same old Sonny Gray up near 100 pitches. He had 93 pitches through five innings, three walks. Every inning he was laboring, it just looked painful to, for him to get through every inning out there on the mound. It's painful to be on defense when that happens because everything takes so damn long. It's painful for me to sit here at home and watch it on TV. I'm sure John Sterling and Susan Waldman are oh, dying yeah. a thousand deaths as they they're watching Sonny Gray take 27 seconds. I believe he took 27 seconds in between pitches. Longest, longest in baseball. It is just an absolute nightmare to watch him pitch. The two people that take the longest, Sonny Gray, David Price. <laughs> Both yeah. to And we have a mailbag question about we have a mailbag question about David Price and I don't think mentally those guys are too far off at this point. Yeah, seriously. I mean, he's a 
I, now that I'm looking back, it's like when you see something and you're like, oh my God, how did I not see that coming? And then you look back and you're like, oh my, there's a sign there. There's a sign there. There's a sign there. His nickname last year was on the, when they had the dumb on the back day, whatever the hell they called it was pickles, pickles. <laughs> His name was pickles. How do we, how do we bring a guy into New York into the freaking Bronx and, and, and expect him to be good when his nickname is Pickles? pickles Dude, do you remember why it was Pickles? Is uh, it because he just likes Pickles? I have no idea. I don't care. I, if I ever had the nickname Pickles, you know, I would do a lot of things to try to change that. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't celebrate it. Yeah, maybe you could get away with it if you're like a pinch runner. Or if because, it's ironic and you're like a big dude and your name is Pickles, like nobody's going to mess because your name is Pickles. But he's a little right. bitch. He's like a little scrawny <laughs> bitch. And, oh, his name, and his nickname is Pickles. <laughs> Took you a month and a half after saying he's going to be the uh, Cy Young winner, 20-game winner to call him a little bitch. That's harsh. Because he's 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 acting like that. He's not acting like I the agree. guy that's, that he's supposed to be. Brian Cashman traded for a good pitcher, a guy that came over and was, you know, one of these, one the guy that was in Oakland who had the lowest ERA among... Uh, starting pitchers, the guy who has taken has had good postseason starts, the guy who uh, David Ortiz in a in a quote, you know, talking talking about how he made him look feel stupid because he's got so many di- pitches that he could throw for strikes. Like we're not seeing that guy. I don't know how somebody could just disappear off the face of the planet. Like I don't understand that. Is the are the bright lights of the big city too much for dear old little pickles? I don't know. Well, it's when something goes wrong, he can't just put that behind him and just keep attacking after that. If everything does not go perfectly for Sonny Gray, then it, then everything needs to go to shit, and that's a real problem. Yeah, it is a real problem. It's a big problem, and I don't care who's behind the plate. Maybe Gary Sanchez needs to be behind the plate and bully him into the, maybe just smack him around a little bit well, and Romine's show him how to be, be a there man. For his next start. Well, you know, Romine needs to put him the, use those grappling moves and beat his ass. Like they need to go into like a locked room and you just know, beat his ass for for like twenty minutes, and he'll come out a new guy. That's what you we know what need. I said. I said after the game they could resurrect Yogi Berra for all I give a crap, and it still would not make a difference with this guy. No, I could have... be back there catching him. I caught in high school. Put me back there. I'll work with Sonny Gray. Doesn't it, matter. It's, He's going to go out there and crap his pants. It's it's uh it's all on Sonny Gray. It's all between his ears. Twenty seven seconds between pitches. What the hell are you doing for twenty seven seconds? Seriously, <laughs> is, what are you thinking, thinking about? about? If he wants to give up the home run on the slider or the fastball. Oh, I used to play with this, and it didn't. Uh, uh, what's his face? I, I can't think of his name right now. The outfielder that got hurt and got traded. Fowler. Uh, Fowler, thank you. Dustin Fowler got his first base first hit, hit. Yeah. off of Sunday Gray, the guy that he got that's traded for. That's poetic justice. I mean, it really is. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. He's making yeah, and that Brian Cashman looks terrible because of this trade right now. And you know what? No, I don't blame no, I don't Brian think Cashman. So. I don't think so. No, you. I don't think you can say you blame Brian Cashman for this because as, as Sonny Gray was not the same pitcher that he was in the first half of Oakland and the second half for the Yankees last year, but he was still contributing he still put the Yankees in good places to win this has been an absolute disaster this year and you can't blame Brian Cashman for Sonny Gray's performance this year it it is something with Sonny Gray in between the ears Larry Rothschild needs to get with Sonny Gray and he needs to fix him I don't know how he's gonna fix him but he needs to fix him well unless it's unless it's something about the fact that he is just not going back to old mechanics not going back to the the confidence level and the mentality of the old Sonny Gray before the injury that's the one area where I think people can lean on Brian Cashman a little bit for this trade. If they didn't do as much diligence as they needed to about the, the Sonny Gray post-surgery compared to the Sonny Gray pre-surgery. And if we're looking at all these numbers, that could be a very real thing. He's not a big guy. He's a slight guy. He's got that, 
you know, hyperextended elbow when he throws the inverted W that I've that I've said is hell on people. Uh, Caprillion, the guy who traded for him as well, has the same type of arm injury or same type of arm delivery. It's nightmare on an elbow. So if he's coming back and and just being super cautious and, and trying to protect his arm, uh, and, and we're seeing the results of that then that's a big problem because it's never going to get back to the way, way he was before the surgery. And if that's the guy that we have now, then, you know, we have a, a serious situation on our hands because Pickles but, ain't going back to the way he was. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I want to touch on from the Friday game is the Yankees were still in this game in the seventh inning. They, had, they were down by two runs with two runners on, and Glaber bunted. And it was a sack bunt, and I thought Boone called for the sack bunt, but it turns out after the game, Glaber was bunting on his own. He was bunting for a hit. It was a bad bunt, though. If you're bunting for a hit, it just went right back to the pitcher. Uh, we, have, we have praised Glaber Torres for his baseball intuition and how he always seems to make the good decisions and has a great feel for the game. That was not one of those situations. That was a bad. You don't give up an out when you're down by two runs, especially with the way he's been playing. Yeah, I mean, I understand that, but at the same time, you gotta you gotta see a guy. Obviously, had a has a green light to do things that he wants to do, uh, and he saw a situation where he thought on his on you know that that if he executed it, he would be on base, and he just didn't execute it. I think that's that's what it comes down to. Because if he did execute it and he gets on base, everybody's like, oh my god, what a what a cerebral player! I can't believe he did that. He's so young, and yet he can bunt for a base hit when take advantage of what's in front of him. Like everybody would be like, oh my god, he's the greatest thing ever. So it just didn't work out. That's that's kind of what I see. Yeah, I think it. I think it's just not. It's not a high probability play. It's not. If you could bunt, it is. If you could, I mean, look what Didi did against the shift every time. If you well, could, if you could shift. actually there's lay no, a there's bunt no down. shifting. There's no shifting. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he saw the. Um, I was driving at this point. I didn't see that exact play. But if he's, not, I don't remember if the third baseman was back. Or yeah, not, that's but exactly the, what I'm the thinking. bunt went right back to the pitcher. Right. So he didn't execute it. Right. It was a poorly Maybe. executed bunt. Okay. Well, I know Boone does not like bunting. He's not a bunting fan. But we're what we're another thing that we're seeing with Boone now is he's given these guys a lot of leash to do their own thing. If Definitely. They, if they feel the conviction of doing something when they're at the plate, I don't you know I don't know how far this goes. Whether it's you know bunting for a hit or uh, swinging on three zero. I don't know how many. They, a lot of guys have like the that. green light because yeah. Glaber Torres had the green light. I forget if it was against Oakland or Boston, but it was a three zero pitch and he had the green light. And you don't see rookies getting the green light. And it may a be lot. a situation in the sense that that you know you have a green light unless you are told that you don't because because of a situation. That's probably the case. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of times uh, they'll do that, and then you know that's good though. I, I think that I think that we're seeing a lot of trust on on the side of Aaron Boone with his players, and I think uh, that the players really like that. I mean, you could just kind of tell when when you listen to some of these post game interviews, and they're asking about Boone I, specifically. I was hearing one about uh, the judge was was giving. And you can just tell by the way he's talking that he's being more open with the way he says things and he's just more freely talking about it, that they all have a very good relationship and really like Aaron Boone. So I think this this whole thing is going very well as far as the uh, player-manager relationship. Well, that's because of the record. <laughs> if they were a 500 team, we wouldn't be saying that. But they also got, to, to their credit, uh, they got back to this point. When they were struggling, sure. they got to a point. It's not like they started out like this. They they hit adversity. They went through these injuries, and then they, they gamed up and went on this ridiculous run after that situation. So that, He's also getting better. I think he's making smarter decisions, whether it's smarter decisions with the bullpen or, or whatever it is. He seems to be learning on the job. Yes, I agree with that. And quick, not much of a learning curve, honestly. Like, he's... I think he's doing really. I would love to see him get fired up and thrown out of a game soon. If if what situation, what situation did you think 
did you th- do you have one in mind? Uh, yeah, I do, and I'm trying to think of what it was. It was uh, it was on Saturday when uh, the there was a play. Oh, the was it the check swing? It was the check swing. Yes, yeah. and and the 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 pitch after that was uh, a two run base hit. It yeah. was uh, Cannon, the right fielder. On that particular play, when it really looked like, and Boone knew it from the dugout, that his wrists broke um, at that point. Like, I'm getting fired up. Like, this to me is a situation where you need to get this team fired up after a loss. Uh, it would have been a good, I think, a good point right there to to really defend this team and be like, look, you're not giving us a chance when, you, when you're giving them extra pitches. I think it would have been a good, a good spot for it. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think the Yankees probably got screwed on that, on that check swing. But also, if you're Boone, I mean, what is it? The fourth inning, Herman is in a kind of a no-win situation as it is. So it's like he could go out there, get fired up, and then what happens? Herman's still going to give up the the four runs. So maybe, but you're also defending a you know a new pitcher who's out there who's who's sure. uh, stepping in. There's a yep. there's a bunch of things that I feel, I feel like you're defending at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and and not only that, but you're also defending. Uh, you know the strike zone and the way that the umpires are doing things, and just the fact that that two run that two run single should have never happened. Um, right. You know, I don't know. Just would have been a good spot. And uh, again, I'm not I'm not making these judgments on on him on on what he, you know, how I feel about him yet. But I think it, at some point in the near future, I feel like that's kind of his next his next little thing to check off the list. Get thrown out of a game in a situation that calls for it, where you have your your guys back. I feel like we need to see that a little bit. Well, Herman got to the eight and the third innings of no hit ball with yeah. a streak after six innings. And <laughs> everyone's thinking, oh my God, this guy is invincible. The wheels kind of fell off for him in that fourth inning. The check swing didn't help. I know he gave up a three run homer to Chris Davis, the uh, the other Chris Davis, not not the Adderall yeah. Chris Davis. The one with a K. Yeah, the one with the KH. But um, I read an interesting article about Herman that I want to talk about. It was actually on The Athletic, and it was comparing his four pitches to current big leaguers in the closest comparisons, whether it be based on velocity, movement, spin rate, etc. And his four-seam fastball got compared to Max Scherzer, which I think is just a little bit getting ahead of ourselves. Two-seamer Charlie Morton, curveball Ivan Nova, and changeup Jordan Zimmerman. And overall, the article compared him that Herman could be a good comparison to Ivan Nova, which is if you're a Yankees fan, you're saying, oh, crap. We have to suffer through Ivan Nova starts and then trade him to Pittsburgh and watch him throw like nine complete games. Hey, Nova was pretty good before he went down on that for that injury. He was a a pretty good pitcher. the The, the comparisons are funny. I, I mean, I, I think it's hilarious that Charlie Morton is is a is a comp now. <laughs> like he's he's gotten to the point and now he's a comp. The um, it's interesting to see the the different types of pitches. I don't know it. it it doesn't really tell you much because you have to execute these pitches in a in a pattern, and you have to like they have to work off of each other. So it's like pulling the the best attributes of, of superheroes. Uh, if that really works in real life, or in superhero life, then it would be great. But it doesn't work that way. Uh, the, another thing about Herman, and I have a horrible time saying his name every time I want to say German, and I've said it like five times in those post game videos. And I had to correct myself, but uh, I didn't realize this. But when they made the trade for him, for he was in the trade, the uh, the, Martin Pro- Prado. the Prado trade. You know, the Yankees had Herman as uh, the top pitching prospect in the Marlins system. And right. he wasn't the top Marlins prospect at that time, if you look at all the rankings. But the Yankees pinned him as their number one prospect, and that's why they, you know, they circled him within that trade. So I thought that he was, was their number telling. one. He was he was the number one pitching prospect. I don't think he was at that point. That's what I'm saying. He was in low he was in low A at that point, 
Yeah. And I don't think he was their number one yet, but the Yankees had him pinned as the number one. Right. Um, he was up there. You know, he was not close to the bottom by any means. Yeah. But the, Evald- I, I, the, I, the infamous Evaldi trade. I thought that that was interesting, the fact that they identified the talent as, you know, as early as low A. Uh, to to pick a guy like Herman out who's who's now paying dividends. I, you know, I think it just goes back to how the Yankees' scouting system really changed over that time. Yeah, I think um, uh, Cashman was talking about how they knew it's a long shot when you take a guy like Herman, which is also a reason why the Marlins were willing to part with him because when you trade a guy in, in a ball, right, so much has to happen before he can get to the majors. And then plus Herman had the surgery; he he went down with Tommy right. John, I believe, right? So. It was a long road for Herman to get to the big leagues because when did that trade go down? Twenty fourteen season was it? Yeah, uh, twenty four. Yeah, I think so. So we're talking about a four year stretch here before we see the dividends being paid, and it's great. Herman's still a young pitcher, but that that's I guess um, th- that's why you see these guys kind of getting traded. Like uh, who was the kid that the um, I'm drawing a blank on his name. He was the kid that. Came over in the Beltron trade from Texas. How many people are we gonna not remember their names? Uh, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. I could see his face too. He came over. He was a number one. He was the number two draft pick, I think. Yeah, uh, that that came up. Um, uh, Dylan uh, Tate. Tate. Yeah, Dylan yeah. Tate. He's a guy that I'm really actually looking forward to. I think he has. Uh, he's turned it around. He's a big bodied guy, like super athletic. That you know, a lot of people were questioning his desire to be. And I got yelled at by someone's mom. Because I said something about him on the podcast, actually. I got, I got yelled Mother's at by, by Fire Eisen's mom on Twitter because I said something about Dylan Tate. Oh, but um, I, got, I, got, I got nothing but love for Dylan Tate, actually. I think, he's, uh, I think he, he could be an impact guy at some point down the road. But yeah, these are, you know, what we've seen, I think, in the past three years, four years, is the Yankees have been getting a lot of pitching and, and low-level pitching. They've just been adding and adding and adding. Like You see a lot of these names in the back of the trades. And we're starting to see them now climb through the ranks and and become actual players that are being called upon in the Bronx. So, you know, a lot of credit to the scouting system with the Yankees because it's it's really it's an impressive overhaul on, on how they've uh, identified talent, I think, in the last five years compared to the, the previous five. Yeah, they hoard enough of them. Some of them will work out. Yeah. Yeah. And in this game, the bullpen really stepped up. They pitched, what was it, six uh, shutout innings. Holder in the sixth, Green in the seventh. I thought maybe Boone would have him go out there for two innings, but then Batances came in. Chapman got lucky. That was that was Man. a roller coaster of an inning. He walks. He walked the bases loaded. Yep. Right? And threw a wild pitch. Two mound visits. Something wrong with his finger. I guess we we uh he he broke his fingernail or he cut his cut his fingernail. Um and he was looking at his finger. I thought for sure they were gonna take him out of the game. They left him in. He gets the double play on the Gardner. The Gardner he struck uh, out a guy for he, he got a strikeout, and then he had the uh, yeah the the um the catch by Gardy, and then tag out by literally a thread of a by jersey. A thread. Yeah, that is. Um, if I'm an Oakland fan, I, I am absolutely hating replay at that very moment because it was as close as could possibly be. I, he barely like the shirt barely ruffled in the wind. I mean, if you're Oakland, just don't try to score uh, at home. At home against the Yankees, you know, it just doesn't work out for you <laughs> if it's a close play, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, they escaped, and then that 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 set it up for Neil Walkoff Walker, the Neil Walker off. I love it. I love it. I love I love the resurgence of Neil Walker. It's making me very happy. The fact that he's a former Met and now he's playing well, and the Mets are sucking, is making me <laughs> even more happy. It's like because uh, you know Mets fans were like, ah, you got Neil Walker and he's terrible, and now look, look what's happened. It's it's uh. 
Oh, the irony of, of Neil Walker coming back. So I, I love the fact that he's finally getting back into his pocket as the professional hitter that we thought we got. And not only that, he's in the middle of every big, big rally, big comeback. He's either starting the rally with a double, he's getting a big walk to keep a rally going, or he's getting a walk-off single. It, it's, he really has, over the last two weeks, been in on everything. Yeah, he's been an integral part. It's, it's, uh, it's good stuff. I mean, the guy, the, the, he's, he's putting himself, he, you got to give him credit because he, he, he just worked and worked and worked. And, you know, a guy like that, you're like, what's going on? Why, why is this happening? This is not who I am. Uh, and then he just he just kept at it, and the Yankees kept the faith that they actually got a, a a guy that can hit, and it's uh, it's come it's come out and, and worked out very well for both parties. And apparently Chapman was warming up in the ninth inning on Sunday to test his finger. I was I doubt watching that. the game on mute because I had some family over uh, it was for Mother's Day, obviously. Yeah. So I saw Chapman warming up. I saw Shreve struggling out there, and I'm like, oh god, are you kidding me? Like Shreve can't even get out of this inning. They have to. Bullpen warm well, they were talking about it. They were talking about it because at that point, there was a safe situation, because the tying run was on deck. I think, uh, so there there was a, a safe situation looming if if uh, Shreve didn't get that runner or didn't get that last batter. So, do so, you think Chapman would have come in? Because I saw something posted after the game that he was only testing his finger. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't see that from what they were talking about. From what Kenny Singleton was saying, it sounded like he was. Uh, there, there was a very good possibility that he might come in. You know, I don't know how many at what point that would have happened, but. Uh, and maybe he was testing his finger to see if it was okay. And if it was okay, he was going to come in. And if it was in. okay, he'd come in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Didi finally breaks out of his 0 for 30 slump. Uh, that was getting ugly there for a while. I, I know he hit some balls to the warning track, but Didi, after the road curtain call, just as I said on the last episode, the curse of the road curtain call, the curse of Brian Kenny, whatever you want to call it. But <laughs> he's still not a- he's still not squaring the ball up well. No. I mean, there's there was a situation on Saturday – where he needed to move runners over and uh, and he hit the ball to left to left center. He never hits the ball to left center. He, he's a, he's a dead pole hitter. You look at his home runs; they're all literally all to right field, every one of them. And and he hits the ball to left field or to left center field when he needs to hit the ball to right field at that point. You know what I mean? Like you just know he's not right. He's still not there yet. So I, you know, he's that 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 big streak took a lot out of him. It's like. His powers have gone all the way down, and now he is is trying to find them again. Well, right, because he was the player of the month in April, and then he went 0 for 30. Can we somehow find a middle ground here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Boone said he's not moving him out of the three spot. Do you agree with that? Um, I you know I think when a player is struggling like this, you 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 can tinker a little bit. I mean, that's what landed him in the three spot in the first place. So so uh, no, I got no problems uh, moving him around a little bit. But you know, if Boone doesn't want to move it, if if they're still winning and scoring runs and it's still working out you know leave it the way it is i guess don't don't ruffle too many feathers yeah how long though until if he's still looking lost at the plate in a week do you move him out because eventually eventually you're gonna have to do something and i i think Didi can get back to being a very integral part of this lineup he can be their number three hitter but if he's still going through this oh for 30 something like you you've got to do something if you're Boone. Well, here's my professional segue because I, I think that his time might actually run out when Mr. Greg Bird comes back. Uh, when when he does come back and Bird proves that he's healthy, he's the three hitter. He's the one that everybody wants as the three hitter. Uh, so if if um, if fully healthy and and swinging a bat, I think we'll we'll see that move uh, around that time. Uh, and 
hopefully by the end of May if Bird can come back. But I don't know if they're going to put him right back into that number three spot. We'll see. We'll see. How, like like you said, if, if Didi's hot again, then, then you probably don't move him. Uh, some injury updates. So I saw Brian Hoke tweet that Drury is still experiencing symptoms with the blurry vision and the headaches and stuff. So he, it does not sound like he's going to be activated after his 20-day rehab clock runs out. Um, he's playing well with Scranton. So I don't know if they're just delaying this because they don't want to make the hard roster decision. But Drury, Drury or Bird, who comes back first? I mean, at this point, if, if, if Drury is still experiencing these symptoms, I'm having a hard time thinking that they're going to activate him to the Major League roster if he's still having a, a similar problem to what he had before. You know, they're going to, if they don't see it getting better, I think they're going to send this guy for more tests and, and try to fix what's happening instead of being okay with the fact that he's still experiencing symptoms. That that seems counterproductive to, you know, his long-term progress as a player. It doesn't seem like a, a good thing to do as an organization. But, uh, and you know, we, we've seen the Yankees be very careful with certain guys, and I think this is one of those cases. I think you got to be very careful, kind of walk on eggshells with this one, because uh, it's 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 surrounding the head. You're talking about symptoms that have to do with your, your you know your head and your brain and all all these things that are extremely important to live and function as a human being, not a baseball player, but a human being. So I think they're going to be very careful with him. Um, so if Bird's foot is acting like it's okay and he's he's rehabbing well, I think Bird will be the first guy coming back. Yeah, and I think if you we had asked a month ago, or even when Jury went on the DL, I would have said you're crazy if if Bird comes yeah, back. Yeah, oh, no doubt. Jury. I would have said the same thing. Yeah, but I mean, uh, it's, it's the thing about Jury though is that this isn't the first time he's had this, right? We we've we've heard that he's had this for years now. So, you know, maybe this right, is just exactly didn't what, tell anybody in Arizona. Right, <laughs> it's like it, a it needs, surprise. It, it it very obviously needs to be dealt with, uh, you know, on a on the long term level rather than just trying to get him back because now there's a there's there's thoughts of him you know functioning in, in the real world uh then you have you have doubts about that then you gotta you gotta fix this guy up you gotta see what's going on like really what's going on what if it just turned out that he had the wrong prescription of contacts that'd be good news for him right that's an easy fix that's that would be great if that's if that's what's going on that would be great yankees are heading down to dc to play the nats tanaka versus Gio gonzalez and then cc versus scherzer scherzer originally was not scheduled to pitch it was tanner rourke and then I saw today that Scherzer was moved up. Uh, obviously, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. He leads the National League in strikeouts. So uh, I guess the Nationals, with the Yankees coming to town, think it's a uh, a reason to move Scherzer up in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited for it. Like, let's bring it on. You know, the Yankees haven't shied away from anybody yet. So why shy away from uh, the lunatic uh, Max Scherzer? I, and I love watching him pitch. So I think it's going to be a fun game. Oh yeah, he's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I just only wish we could get Severino versus Scherzer. That would be great. I mean, CC is is a nice is a nice little uh, uh, substitution though because CC's a little crazy too. I think you got two crazy guys going up against each other, so that's entertaining. I mean, one throwing ninety eight, one throwing eighty eight. That's fine. You know, the old man will just feel like you know, use that to his advantage and and, and use that as a uh, as a motivator to beat the the younger buck. He's not. I'm not calling Max Scherzer a young buck anymore, but um, he's he's a fun pitcher. He's a good pitcher, and and you know yeah. he's extremely emotional on the uh, on the on the mound. And he wears his emotions on his sleeve. And I, I like watching that. I, I think he's entertaining. So I, I would love to see the Yankees go up and uh, knock him around a little bit. I think that'd be awesome. I always like these series, though, against the teams that you only see like once every four or five years. Yeah. I know some people hate National League Baseball, but I think it's fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I still like, the, I, I still like the, uh, the, the whole thought process of not seeing a team 
ever until the World Series. Like I think yeah, it's, it's a cool just thing. unrealistic in today's today's game, though. I don't know how it's unrealistic. What's the difference? Because of the even teams in each league, the one team would have to be off every day. It's fifteen in each league. I mean. It's just that's not the reason they started this though. They started this for ratings. Oh, to right. get, yeah, they started to get it. matchups like the Cubs and the Yankees, or the Yankees and the Dodgers, or the Dodgers. And, I mean, like that's that's why they did it. They could they could figure the scheduling out. the 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 fact that they're doing this, like I don't, I I used to hate it, uh, but I think as I've gotten older, I've just like you know, there's only so many things I can care about at this point and like, bitch about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's not on my list anymore. Pace of play <laughs> it's dropped off. It's, the top yeah, it's, it's it's gone down on my list to pretty much non-existent. I'm still I'm I'm, I'm focused on uh, focused on having runners in uh, in the 11th inning on second base, but you know it's going to be a fun matchup. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching Scherzer pitch against the Yankees. So hopefully they can light him up. All right, let's get to mailbags. The first one is from Richard Granger, and he says this is more of a discussion point. The Yankees have had the toughest schedule along with the Cubs in baseball up until this point and are the best team in baseball from this point on we actually now have the easiest schedule coming up our opponents from may 11th on have a combined 480 winning percentage sanchez has been productive but hasn't hit his stride and bird isn't in the lineup yet we hopefully uh will see stanton and gardner hitting better jury will become come back and be a super utility guy the bullpen will be deeper once canley and warren come back we can also expect a major trade for a starting pitcher this summer this team can win 20 games a month for the rest of the year. And then he says, here's my mailbag question with Jury knocking on the door and raking in AAA. Do you think the Yankees would option Torres to make room? Jury offers a better bat with just as much versatility. The infield could be on a rotation. Jury at third one day, then second, then short, then off. Giving everybody consistent playing time while keeping everybody fresh. So first of all, I want to talk on his stuff about the schedule. And I think that's very interesting that uh, I'm going to take his word for it. Upcoming, the Yankees have a very easy schedule, perhaps the easiest in baseball. Well, first, I mean, their first stop is the Nationals. The Nationals have won, I think, like 13 out of their last 15 or something like that. They've, they've won a lot of games recently. They're playing probably better than they've played in a long time. So, uh, I, you know, maybe after the Nationals, but first thing in front of us is the, the Washington Nationals, and that's going to be a tough series. Uh, if that's the case, you know, look, the, the fact is the Yankees are, as of right now, what we've seen is them play to their competition a little bit. You know, I, I think Friday right. night people were scared on that, that Oakland is like, what, why is Oakland coming in here and doing this? Like uh, there was some worry that, that they were going to drop that series, but they've won seven series in a row. Now uh, they've, they've been playing up with the, with the top guys. So as long as they're not playing down to their competition, taking anybody light or for granted, and uh, you know, I don't really expect that to happen. I think it was a, a combination of getting up for these games as well as just kind of getting into the season and hitting their stride all at the same time. I think it was good timing uh, more than anything. I, I don't expect a lull. I think they should be able to feast on some of these teams and just continue to win series. But you have to, ex I, I think that it's understandable after winning 17 of 18 games, after coming off the stretch they went on to maybe have a little bit of a lull. I think it'd be unrealistic to not. Well, yeah, I mean, you're always looking for some type of a correction, right? You're always looking for things to come back down to earth at some point. Well, I'm not even talking about a correction in their play. I'm just talking about emotionally as a team. Like they had, they got up for the gauntlet of the schedule and they got through it with flying colors. And then... There, you're playing Oakland Athletics at home is not the same as the Red Sox or the Astros. Yeah, well, and especially not for Sonny Gray, who came from that team. You'd think that he wanted to get up for that one and still couldn't get up for that one. God, he pisses me off. The, uh, <laughs> but, 
Yeah, I, I guess, but they're professional baseball players. This is what they do every day at this point. So, you know, I don't know how emotionally they're getting into these games at that point. I, I think these guys are, are trying to keep as even killed as possible for the opponent that's in front of them and not to get overly hyped for one one opponent over another. I mean, I, I know subconsciously it happens. get up for the Sox games. I think we saw that. It was clear. I mean, the emotion they showed when they came back against Kimbrell. My point is, is that they're trying the, the point, the, the, uh, the whole premise of this is for them not to try to do that, to, to stay even killed, no matter who you're, you talk to any sports psychologist out there, they're going to say, it doesn't matter who's in front of you. You should have a pretty much similar mentality going into your games because, you know, you can only control your emotions and what you do and how you play and your preparation and all these things. And that should just take care of itself. So my, I, I don't think they're going out there taking people for uh, for granted. Now, subconsciously, can that happen? Sure. You know, it's like a uh, on the football schedule. You have a good, uh, like a really big game two weeks ahead, and then you have a, a shitty team you're about to play. You, that's the trap game. You see it all the time. So, you know, Oakland could have been that trap game. And on Friday night, it's like, oh, crap, it's a trap. We need to start playing better. And then they're, and then they beat the crap, and then they beat Oakland. So they're mentally, they're mentally strong. I got confidence in their mental fortitude. Can uh, Except for can pickles. we ask can we ask the listeners if they could recommend any good sports psychologist for Sonny Gray? Yeah, seriously, needs one bad. Uh, to to uh, Richard's question about optioning Torres to make room for Jury, I don't think there's a chance of that happening. I no. think they like Torres too much as the utility guy. Also, because I don't think Jury can play shortstop. I think that it is a stretch to move him over to first. I think he could do it. I think most people can play first base, even though he doesn't have a lot of time there. But I could see a rotation with Jury at third, second, and first. Yeah, the, the, it's just not shortstop. That's the biggest thing. I mean, Torres is is uh, is the guy that's going to be playing shortstop if anything were to happen to Didi at this point. I mean, he would go and slide in there. Well, actually, Glaber Torres would probably move over. But um, you know, that's a, well. It's that, not that's even it's not even factor. for injury. It's it's and I think I learned this lesson the hard way after you you guys made me out to be the Therese hater and I said that we didn't know first Tyler, of all nobody made you out to be the Therese hater your words did that yourself Keep I going. said if Tyler Continue. Wade could prove that he can be a valuable utility guy and have good at bats and hit off the bench it is clear he should be the utility guy he cannot do that Therese have, has proved time and time again it does not matter if he sits for 10 straight days right. he can come in and give you the same at bat as he would if he played every day and I think that is a very special skill that this little man has. Oh, now you had to call him a little man at the end. <laughs> uh, you know, I tried to tell you that exact same thing. Well, like, you probably just said word for word what I told you in, in, over the winter. Hey, I needed to. I needed to. Uh, I, you I saw it with your own eyes. You saw it with your own eyes last I knew, year. I knew he could do it. I just thought maybe if Tyler Wade could do it, he could be better than Torres. And it, I was wrong about Gre- that. You I admit bastard. I was wrong. You greedy I bastard. I was wrong. So let, let me uh, talk about the schedule real quick, too, because I think it's a little uh, deceiving in what he's saying and how it's such an easy stretch coming up. And I, I understand, like, if you're taking the next month or, like, four, three weeks, maybe there's a under 500. But within sprinkled in there you got the you got the nationals then you got Kansas City and Texas okay but then you they got the, then you got the angels then you got Houston then you got the Orioles who who are horrible but beat us last time uh, and usually put up a, a tough a tough uh, fight at Camden and that's where the game is um, and then you have uh, Detroit which is a makeup game so that's like a double header thrown in the middle of an off day. Um, and then Toronto and the Mets. So there's not there's not an easy schedule. I don't think any of that is easy. Kansas City and Texas maybe are the the two series that we're looking at. But surrounded by that, we got you know those are all good teams. Or, or you know if they're not good teams, they're uh, tougher situations. 
And it's a stretch with no off days plus a doubleheader. Yeah. So no, I'm not I'm not counting that as an easy stretch. Yeah. What's up next? Next we got Alex D. He says, Are you all are you guys worried at all that some Yankees are talking about warm weather helping improve their performance? Last time I checked, it's cold in October and uh, and early November when the games count the most. I'm worried about that performance will go downhill when the temperatures drop. What do you say? I so I, I think when you're talking about I think when you're talking about the warm weather helping your play in the spring is very different than talking about cold weather in uh, at the end of the season. Because one, you have an entire season and you're playing already, and and then you're getting into the cold weather. So you're already in the season, like complete completed the season at that point, and and have have gotten into your rhythm, and you kind of are who you are at that point, right? You're coming into the spring train. You're going from Tampa, which is like 85 degrees every day, and then you're coming up to like just horrible shitty weather every single day and then you don't playing games consecutively because they're getting rained out. It's a different element at that point. You're not into the season. You haven't gotten into any groove. So yes, I think the cold weather at that point can absolutely play into a, a team not playing well. Granted, everybody's playing in crappy weather at the same time, but I think they're different animals. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that um, once you have 500, 600 at bats under your belt, you no longer you're no longer rusty. It doesn't matter if it's 40 degrees out or 80 degrees out. I think I think you're in an October baseball game. It's it's uh, playoffs. You you get up for it. So I'm not worried about that at all. I I think it's a little annoying to hear players talk about the weather because it's almost like one of those things that does it really need to be said that it's cold out? We understand it's cold out. You got your face mask on. You're blowing. Uh, you, you get the the hot air breath that comes out whenever you exhale. We get it. It's cold. We're all cold here. Just go out and play baseball. Yeah, I mean, you know, the stadium livened up too when when the weather got warmer too. So everybody who's sitting well, there watching that, the game makes sense. No one wants to go yeah. to the. No one. Okay, I like know I that's said, what I'm saying. It affected everybody. When I went to that Marlins game and all, sat there in 37 degrees, all I heard, all I heard about how cold it was. That's all I heard about. It was frigid, and the Yankees were losing nine to nothing. It was the most miserable day of my life. So Why'd you yes, have to talk I about understand. it? We knew, we knew it was cold. We knew it was cold. We saw your <laughs> I breath talk on the, about it. On the I periscope. We understand. I don't make I don't make twenty six million dollars a year. If I did, maybe I'd just suck it up. No, I mean, yeah, it. it you don't want to hear excuses ever, but I kind of get it. <laughs> Uh, Brandon says, does Neil Walker remind you of Chase Headley or am I the only one? And to that, I say, Neil Walker still has a job. Chase Headley does not. Man, Chase Headley is such a nice dude. I can't believe he's getting trashed so much. Just nobody wants him. What a nice guy this guy is. Probably give up a house. Probably give you a bed if you were in town and needed a place to crash. Uh, he's a terrible baseball player, though. And, six, uh, hits. He's, <laughs> six hits in 27 games, one extra base hit. He was batting 115. What a bum. Not not a good situation when you're getting a release from the San Diego Padres. That's not a Think good thing. Think about this, though. The Padres basically bought um, Brian Mitchell for $13 million because they agreed to take Chase Headley's $13 million contract in exchange the Yankees just gave them Brian Mitchell. Here's a right. pitcher that might turn out to be good. Brian Mitchell has been dog crap for them. Man, they just are have wasted flush $13 million down the drain. They don't want Chase Headley. Chase Headley was like, they tried to pay him $115 million like back in 2012. He was going to be their franchise player. They escaped that once. They bring him back, and he's so god-awful they have to cut him before even May is over. You know, you got to really question what the San Diego Padres management is doing doing over there because that is just a what they did was just an awful deal and uh the fact that they are paying his salary and now they just dropped him for nothing at this point 
it, it's a bad look. I, if I was a Padres fan, I would I would be really upset mm, with the way that exist. this with this front office is is, uh, is handling things. I got I got no other information about what they're doing. I know that they they did some weird trade uh, a couple years ago with Matt Kemp to the to the Braves for that um, that Cuban player that was you know he he had, like assaulted a woman or something and was suspended. So basically, it was a swap of of money. Uh, for they exchanged the the trade the trade was an exchange of players but it was basically an exchange of contract and I think it was the Padres if I remember correctly they ate like thirty million dollars on the deal too because they were paying Matt Kemp so much money it was it was some ridiculous a uh, number of money oh right uh, and that was money. when Matt Kemp was now getting a paycheck from three teams because the Dodgers who he's back on the Dodgers now but the Dodgers were paying him the Padres were paying him and the Braves were paying him yeah it was uh it was crazy how much oh they, that's what it was they took on the the Kemp money. For and just to dump this other guy, and they took on like uh, it was like another thirty million dollars or something stupid, but yeah. th- it's just like they're oh I got money let's just piss it away let's just piss away. Uh, Yasmani Grandal was the oh no that's the catcher my bad that's not that's not the right guy, um, <laughs> but the uh, they just piss money away they're just they don't like money yeah, they like to, bad organization to burn it. they gave they gave what's his name Hosmer a massive contract and he's they're gonna be last place team, yeah yeah bad moves over there, what's up next. All right, next is from Will M. Clint Frazier's doing well in AAA. How long did the Yankees keep him in the minors? Or did we just end up trading him? He's not kidding. Clint Frazier, 12 games with Scranton, 362 batting average, three homers, three doubles, and two triples. Yeah. He's lighting it up. That's awesome. I love seeing that. They're going to be pushed to a decision very, very soon. Yes. Uh, and that's, that's you know maybe that's also going to weigh into what they're going to do with uh, Brandon Drury. There's 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 a lot of roster decisions to be made at some point in the near future. Yankees got to figure out what the hell they're going to do. Well, Clint Frazier's getting to the point. I mean, he came up into the majors last year and he he went through growing pains, but he I think he showed flashes like this kid can be a major league player. And what else does he need to show you in Scranton at this point? I don't think much. It's, so, it's a problem of it's a matter of opportunity. That's the problem. The problem is no, no, that no, I, he wouldn't I was play every day. Yeah, yeah, I was getting to that. So if you're the Yankees, you have him play every day in the minors. You bring him up and he play. I don't even know how he fits onto this roster, to be honest, because you don't need another outfielder. Right. Um, or you trade him. So it, it, they're really getting to a breaking point with, with uh, Clint Frazier. I, I don't think they're there yet, but they might. you might see him go in a deadline deal for a pitcher. Yeah, maybe. I mean, someone, someone's going to have to give. If you're a team out there, wouldn't Clint Frazier be one of the, the top guys you're asking for? Because you just p- plug him into your major league lineup the next day. Absolutely. I mean, he's definitely going to be a, a major asset that Cashman, I guarantee, is getting phone calls on right now. And we're, they're going to be looking at top flight pitchers. They're, they're, they are going to make a deal for a starting pitcher at the tra- around the trade deadline. I guarantee it. You know, whether it's a guy that, that comes over... Um, and like a Brandon McCarthy type guy, or the, it's going to be a major pitcher. I, I personally think it's going to be someone of significance because there's a couple of factors that we have to think about here. You know, we talked about this in the off season and, and kind of in preparation to get everybody's mindset ready for what's going to happen in the season. Because when the, um, when they're ready to protect guys this coming off season, uh, minor league players from the, from the rule five, they're going to have to make some moves. Something's going to have to give because they're not going to be able to protect all of their assets. And at some point, Brian Cashman is going to have to deal somebody or multiple people uh, for, for this roster puzzle to work. And you don't want to wait until the offseason when you know that you have to make that move and everybody else knows you have to make that move. You want to take advantage of it when you have some leverage. Right now, you're looking at a guy who's batting 360, coming off of a, you know, a 
not really a major injury by any means and and is lighting it up people need need uh need need outfielders high highly touted prospect i mean it looks good right now and yeah and i think if you're talking about uh the outfielders in the system with Florial being in lower levels in the minors, a lot younger, a lot farther away from the Bronx, I think Cashman would rather hang on to Florial oh, and yeah. have him, and have him come up when either Gardner or you move Hicks out of the outfield or something like that. Frazier, I guess you could say let's keep him in the minors and Gardner. This is his last year with the Yankees, and then Frazier can be your left fielder next year. Yeah, but I'm not so sure they even want to do that. Yeah, why with do you Gardner? Why do you with th- Gardner? I mean, oh yeah. Uh, you mean they may want to bring Gardner back for another year? Yeah, I think because the team option is pretty friendly on Gardner, and I know that he got off to the rough start batting average-wise, but I still think he provides that team a lot of good things out of the leadoff spot. No, I agree. I think he does I think he does do that. I think he's uh, an extremely... We've been talking about trading Brett Gardner for like five years, it seems like. <laughs> no, you know, I feel like now we're finally on the on the bandwagon of no. Now, yeah, we're like, oh, trade. no, no we, can't, we can't trade him. But... Um, yeah, I it's 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 gonna be very interesting to see what they do. I, I don't know what the right answer is, and I I don't even know if I'm like totally dead set on one way because I would love to see Clint Frazier being the long term left fielder. I, I really would. I think he's a, I think he brings a really interesting element to this team. I think he's a good ball player, and I think he plays his ass off, and I love those guys. So I I, I would love to see that. But at the same time, I also see the fact that these Yankees are stacked, and they have a lot of of depth right now in in that in those spots, and with Floreal. You know, playing in the back, um, in in single, he's in Tampa. You know, that's the guy. I think he might be the only untouchable one of the, the only untouchable at this point, right? I mean, uh, in the minors, just to Sheffield. I know Sheffield ah. just went down with an injury, but he's their top pitching prospect. Yeah. I don't think the Yankees want to part with him. Maybe I unless don't know. it's returning, unless it's returning another starting pitcher exactly. that's young and controllable. Right. So I, I don't even think. Just but I would Sheffield. I would almost say the same thing about Florial. I think that yeah, you're right. Cashman does not want to trade Florial. But I think he would probably do it in the right deal. I think the only guy, I, the only guy I think that was ever untouchable was Glaber. I, I think Floreal is is damn close to that though. I, I think uh, I think he might be a little off on on how they think about him. I, I really do think they they see him as the everyday starting center fielder for a long time. I think that's where they where they pegged him. And and don't forget they've passed up and traded a lot of guys uh, in, in front of. Florial because Florial was there. I mean, that's why Rutherford was traded. That's one of the reasons why, you know, Dustin Fowler was traded. Like they know they have a guy that could play uh center field spot. And he really impressed a lot of people over uh, in spring training this year. So I really do think he's as close to untouchable as you can get. You'd have to get something really significant or offered up for, for them to get there. But Clint Frazier on that side, I don't think he's untouchable. And I think that no, if, he's definitely not if they were offered uh, you know, a legit starting pitcher, somebody that that would make a difference, uh, that they think would make a difference in the stretch run. I think they would do it, and maybe that's how he provides the most valuable value to them. Possibly, yeah, yeah. Uh, last question is from Jim. He says, "Is David Price the softest player in baseball?" This is an <laughs> easy answer. Very David, easy answer. David Price backed out of his start because he played too much Fortnite on Wednesday in the Bronx, and yep. then he started pitch well in Tampa. No, or excuse me, in Toronto. No pressure up in Toronto. Uh, everything was fine. They like him in Toronto, tunnel. don't they? They kind of like him yep. in Toronto. Uh, but Price, I, I did kind of a deep dive on Price and, and his softness. Um, so did you know that he missed or he skipped a, a bullpen session uh, last weekend because of allergies? Ooh. And then apparently back in 2013, 
he had to uh, miss a start with Tampa because of allergies, and he said that it was the laundry detergent that the Tampa clubhouse guys were using was giving him uh, ir- irritation on his eyes. Wow, throwing the clubhouse guys under the bus because of the detergent that they used. <laughs> what too. a, what what an a little bitch. Yeah. No, this is, uh, this is an all-time, all-time soft player. He's the worst. I, I cannot stand him. I'm so happy that the, that the Red Sox are on the hook for this guy. For, I don't think he's backing out of that. He's out hell of no, that he's not backing either. out of that contract. 30 mil a year for the next whatever who, it is. Who in their right mind would give him a third of that at this point? Nobody. Yeah. Like This guy is not going to get close to that money. Boston is going to be sitting with him unless the Dodgers come out of freaking nowhere and save their ass again. But no, it makes me very happy that that the the Boston uh, fan base, the team, everybody has to deal with David Price for how many more years does he have on there? It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money that they gave him for a guy that is terrible. And not only soft, like because of these injuries, too, but we all know how he is in any big games. He's terrible. Mm -hmm. He doesn't show up. So I love it. He's the perfect, perfect pitcher. For the Boston Red Sox. Soft as puppy poo. And I think if you if you listen to any Boston media or any uh, Red Sox fans, they don't, they're writing price off. They say, our number one is sale. We got Porcello. And then maybe if Rodriguez or somebody can step up in that number three spot. They like have written the $30 million man David Price off. Yeah, he's a liability at this point. And their pitching staff is very different without a, without a good David Price. Without yeah. a good David Price, you're, you're now leaning on Rick Porcello. Well, he's been good this year. He's I mean, I know good. he led the league in losses last year, but he looks closer to 2016 Cy Young Porcello right now than he does 2017. The problem Porcello. I have with that, with depending on a guy like that, is just I just don't trust what's going to come out. You don't know. I feel like one day yeah, it might be this guy, sure. another day it might be the other guy. You can't. You definitely can't rely on Rodriguez at this point. He's just not shown that he could be consistent. He's got flashes, no doubt. But you know, when when we talked about and we talked to. Um, uh, Chad Jennings, you had the conversation with Chad Jennings talking uh, about the Red Sox and what Dombrowski has done since he's gotten there, and he's gutted that farm system. They are very thin all over the place. So when you see a team like that, and then you have one of the top tier guys that they paid for that came from his former organization, you know, and and draining the 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 farm and and giving money to guys like that. Big problems, big problems right there, and I hope it bites them in the ass. Right, because unlike the Yankees, I don't think they can go out of the deadline and trade for a starting pitcher. I don't think they have the minor league pieces. Yeah, it would be very tough for them. It would be, uh, it would be very tough for them to, to do anything like that. So, but like we're talking, we're mate, we're we're talking about the Red Sox starting rotation, and other than Severino and the Yankees rotation, it's a bunch of those question marks as well. What are we going to get out of Tanaka from it's start true. to start? What are we going to get out of Sonny Gray from start to start? Mostly bad things out of Sonny Gray. So. We have though those exact same questions in the Yankees rotation. I guess so. I guess I guess we do. I guess we do. Thanks a lot for <laughs> that. Thanks for bringing me back down. Uh, the bottom boy. line is David Price is a is a little bitch, and he yes. plays. He gets carpal tunnel syndrome from playing <laughs> video games. The laundry detergent in his eyes just. You know, but back when I was a kid, I used to call it Nintendo thumb because my thumb would just be like, oh, my God. And, you know, because you'd have to hit the damn button so many times over and over again because it was right. like literally the same button. You just have to keep hitting. And I literally, my hands would hurt. I remember my thumbs just like. No, you build up the calluses. Do you remember that no, game? No, it's not the calluses. It's like the muscle in your thumb, in your thumb. Your thumb is literally sore. Like, holy shit, my thumb is sore. <laughs> Do you remember the game on N64? I believe it was like Mario Party and you had to spin the joystick around and then you'd do it with your palm. At least I did it with my palm. And I actually did it so much in the middle of my palm, I went through the skin. That's ridiculous. (laughs) 
<laughs> if anyone else out there knows what game that was or what I'm talking about in the N64 controller, hit me up on Twitter because that, that brings me back to like the summer of 1997 or whatever that was. Yeah. No, I don't know. The only thing I played on those were uh, was Blitz and Goldeneye. Mm, Goldeneye. That was the best. All right, guys. Thank you for submitting mailbag questions. If you want to do so, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast where you can send us an email or you can tweet us at Yankees Podcast. You can also join the Facebook group at uh, the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Just search that on Facebook and you can post some questions in there. Scott, uh, any last words before the Yankees gear up for the Nats series? No, I'm excited for that one. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, off day, I think this team can use that. Nice little off day going into D.C. It's going to be <laughs> get ready to hear uh, 50,000 times about Bryce Harper going to the Yankees. So prepare yourself mentally for that because that's going to happen 100%. We'll probably write articles about it too, so we will be guilty <laughs> of that as well. Just make sure you click and read the whole thing. Um, no, that's it. I'm excited. This is going to be a fun series. I, I'm looking forward to the to Scherzer thing. Uh, if you have a second, please go rate us and review us in iTunes. We absolutely really appreciate this. We're going to give away another T-shirt um, coming up soon, so please go out there and we'll pick the best review for a T-shirt. Be funny, be witty, make fun of us. Do what you got to do, just as long as it's five stars. And May 26th, go get your tickets. It's going to be an amazing time. We're going to beat the crap out of the Angels. All right, we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com